Welcome to episode 33 of the Pop Anime Comics Lounge. My guest today is cosplayer Eddie Newsom, who appeared on the Marvel cover as Captain America Sam Wilson. But before we get into the interview, I'd like to remind everybody, please follow us on Twitter at Pop Anime Comics, as well as on our website, popanimecomics.com, for all articles relating to anime, comics, and pop culture. So without further ado, let's dive right into this interview. Uh, today with me, I have Eddie Newsom, a professional cosplayer. Your cosplay primarily focuses on comic book characters. When were you first introduced to comics? It has to be when I was in the fifth grade. I was in Alexander Elementary School in Warburton, New Jersey, and a friend of mine slid me a comic book. It was Omega the Unknown, and from then on, I was hooked. Once I read that book, it kind of opened my eyes to a, a whole nother world. And, you know, a character as obscure as that can catch your attention. I knew that there was a lot more out there. So that's what I started doing. As opposed to hanging out in the street, I would go to the comic book store. Or back then, the drugstores had them on the little rotunda thing, and I would go there and read comics. And it just expanded my mind. I've just had a love for comics ever since. And what other titles were you reading? Once I read Omega the Unknown, my next book I started reading that I can remember was uh, the X-Men titles. And I read them and I enjoyed them throughout the years. But the very first book that really, really touched me and really grabbed my attention was the graphic novel, God Loves, Man Kills. How did these titles affect you and influence you when you started to cosplay? I would see little things on the news when they would talk about conventions. And back then, they weren't as prevalent as they are right now. But I always said that if I ever had the chance, I wanted to dress up. You know, I loved Halloween, but then I wanted to do it even more. And I wanted to bring these characters to life and I wanted to dress up as them and we would play in the backyard and I would pretend that I was these different superheroes which just seemed like a natural progression and you know I didn't really go to my very first comic book convention till later on in life and that was here in Charlotte North Carolina at a convention called Heroes Con. And outside of the comic world what else influenced you to get into cosplay? I would definitely have to think that for me coming up it was more of a trying to overcome certain body image issues, finding a comfort zone. And that's kind of, in my opinion, what a lot of cosplay is. It's finding a character that you can relate to, that you can identify with, and try to emulate them. Some people want to emulate a villain. Is that person a villain? No. They love that character, or they love that costume, or it may be that story arc. So for me, it was more or less a thing as far as I would read about these characters and see them on cartoons too. And I just want to bring them to life because nothing makes an artist or a writer feel as good as seeing their creations brought to life. And in doing so, you're telling that creator that this character touched me in a way that I had to bring them to life. I wanted to bring them to life. And it's kind of, I guess you would say therapeutic to a sense because it's a creative outlet. And as a cosplayer, you just mentioned body image. How do you decide what you want to cosplay as? I don't let anything define me. If I wanted to do a kingpin, I'm going to do a kingpin. If I wanted to do a character of a different race, that's what I'm going to do. We get so caught up in this body image thing. And a lot of times, it's a lot of the outside sources that pile on in. And a lot of times, cosplayers fall into it. I mean, at the end of the day, if you can look yourself in the mirror and like what you see, no one else should have an issue or a problem with what you say. A lot of us will look in the mirror and they'll see so many folks. And I deal with that on a daily basis. But the thing about it is, 
is for every fault that I see, I see five or six things that I like. So that kind of dwindles away these faults that either I see or that other people try to pile on me. And now you've been cosplaying for a little bit over 10 years now. What was your first costume and how did you choose to portray this character? My first costume has to be the one that I'm known most for. It's a character named Isaiah Bradley called The Truth. For those who don't know, really quick breakdown. Steve Rogers wasn't the very first person to have the serum tested on him. Kyle Baker kind of molded that into the storyline where they wanted to test it on black soldiers before they gave it to Steve Rogers, who was the candidate. And he was the one who they grafted to. And in the end, the government disavowed him. And the story is so rich and it's such a great character that when I read it, I said that that's going to be my very first cosplay that I do. And the crazy thing about it is that the first year I wore it to Comic-Con San Diego, I'm walking and who do I bump into? Kyle Baker. And it was a really, really pivotal moment. That being my very first cosplay and him giving the approval that he did. Not only him, you know, but Marvel loved the costume and I kept getting a lot of compliments. But on the flip side, there were a lot of negative comments as well. People who didn't know his history were going on to the Marvel website during San Diego and just all kinds of racial and, and derogatory statements. People who didn't know that Isaiah Bradley was a Captain America. But like I said before about the body image thing, every person who posted something negative, five or six people chimed in with positivity or learn your history. So that was my very first one. And to this day, I love that costume. And as a cosplayer, how do you deal with negative comments in person as well as on the internet? Well, my very first first time really having negativity was at San Diego with the Isaiah Bradley costume and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I've always been a person where I don't let anything negative get to me, but something like that so close to me hitting me like that and then people who didn't know what they were talking about. But I'm glad that it's happened in a sense because it was kind of my wake up call and it made me more aware, not aware of what I wear, but more aware that there are people out there. But for every person that's out there, there are a lot more people who aren't. So no matter what you do, there's going to be someone negative, either because they have something going on in their life where they got to chop somebody down to make themselves feel better or because it makes them feel funny. One comment that someone made that really, really hit home for me was somebody chimed in and said, if this was your brother or your sister, how would you feel reading that comment? And that kind of summed it up all for me. These people always say stuff, but let it hit home for them and they'll have a different response. But to my fellow cosplayers, all that I can say is whatever makes you happy, do it. I don't care if you're a hundred pound guy dressing up as Captain America or you're a 300 pound guy or girl dressing up as Superman or Supergirl. It's always going to be somebody that's going to say something. So what? That's their life they're unhappy with. If putting on that cape makes you happy, put on that cape. And now with the character Isaiah Bradley, as well as other characters that you portrayed, how do you go about creating your costume? It all depends on the costume, the materials. And one thing that I have seen, it's like everything else, cosplay evolves. The materials evolves. The resources evolved. It used to be that if I saw a character and I wanted to bring to life, I would have to get the comic, get the graphic novel, do a, a ton of research. You know, but now, not just with the internet, but there are a lot of artists out there. I would love to do your character from this storyline or whatever. Can you put me some resources? And they'll do that. And one in particular company that's excellent with that is Valiant. I just want to do Quantum one day, and I just put it out there. And next thing I know, my inbox is flooded with references for Quantum from Quantum and Woody. It used to be that they held on to those properties, but now that they see that these people who want to create our characters, let's get it out there. And even with the material. 
areas. There used to be where, you know, it was spandex only, you know, but like with my Isaiah Bradley, that was a sculpt with latex rubber. Now, warbler is something that's become really, really prevalent now. I'm still trying to get my warbler skills up. But those who don't know, warbler is a material. If you ever see anyone doing like a lot of that World of Warcraft armor and everything else, that's essentially warbler. I guess you can call it silly buddy for cosplayers. You can shape it, you can mold it, you heat it up, it's easy to paint, and it's durable. But then there's also craft foam that's being used now. And like my very first Sam Wilson jetpack for Captain America that I wore, I use craft foam. It's really cheap, really easy to work with. And for those of who are cosplaying on the budget, I would recommend going those routes. A lot of times people don't have money to commission things. So you go to the internet and you take your time. There are million and one YouTube files. Everyone who's a cosplayer who's making their own costumes, they'll never tell you they jumped off the gate making their own stuff. And it was great. You know, back then, a lot of us didn't have social media and YouTube the way that we do now. But with it being out there with that tool, I strongly recommend everyone using it. Every day, I'm trying to get better and better and better. There are materials that I'm hearing about that I've never heard of before that I'm getting my hands on. So right now, Warbler is what I'm trying to wrap my hands around. I would probably say I'm getting more and more away from the sculpting, but getting more into dye subs, which is when you can Photoshop your costume design onto spandex and working with Warbler and um, EVA phone. So how do you balance your economic funds when you cosplay? Do you have certain budgets for certain parts of your costume? You have to, because if you get to the point where you're like, okay, I've got to pay my insurance or my rent this month, but oh boy, do I want to work on this costume. If you're thinking like that, you had your priorities in the wrong area. It's all about balance. You can decide, I want to work on this costume, so guess what? Hey, guys, I'm not going to hang out with you at the club. I'm not going to go drinking with you. I'm not going to go partying with you. You know what? I don't need to go to this movie and hang out. I'll put that money into my future cosplay project or people who will forego paying bills to go to a convention. That's doing everything backwards where you're just putting yourself into a hole. If you can't cosplay on a budget, then you shouldn't be cosplaying. I don't mean that in a negative sense. I mean that in the sense where once you decide what you want to do, you just write down the parts, the people the materials you want to use. A lot of times, the materials you want to use may be so expensive that there's a cheaper way to go about it. And once you put all that down, then you can kind of not just work out financially how much it's going to cost, but how much time you want to put out there. You know, you don't want to start on a costume in June that needs to be done in July for a con because it'll never get done because it'll be all messed up. There'll be a lot of problems with it. You know, so if you can't budget it out where you're not foregoing any major bills or any bills at all, maybe that's a project that you start putting money aside for little by little. And now to go back to cosplaying and characters you've done, Isaiah Bradley, you have done the character Deathstroke, Gladiator, and Static Shock. How did these costumes come about? Well, with the Deathstroke costume, I have to give all the credit to a buddy of mine, my superhero guy. You know, it was something that I was really, really trying to wrap my head around. And a lot of times, certain costumes don't come across in real life the way they do in paper, be it because of the mechanics, the way they're built, the way you want to bring it across. And a lot of times, you need a fresh new set of eyes to bring that to being. With Static Shock, I wanted to do that character for a while, but I never saw the right version of it because everyone was the younger version or the Milestone Comet, the baseball cap and everything. And I couldn't really relate to that. And then when I saw the Justice League, part two where they went to the future and saw the future static shock that's when i decided that that's the one that i want to do so you know then along came the research and everything else to put together right 
And with the Captain America Sam Wilson costume, the minute I saw that costume, I knew that, that was something that I had to do. So once again, I had to go back to different resources. A friend of mine, Ken Lashley, you know, who draws for DC Marvel and does the work for Lucasfilm, he gave me a fresh new set of eyes for perspectives and for a way that I can do it and for a way that it can come across, you know, correctly, be it even with the jetpack. So a lot of times, a fresh new set of eyes is what you need to make a project come to life. You may think that you know how it's going to look, but until you give a different perspective to it, that's where it all comes into play. And a lot of times, cosplayers, they won't make this piece. They won't make that piece. That's nothing to be ashamed of. Some of my costume pieces I haven't made all myself. I've outsourced some things. That's nothing to be ashamed of at all. A lot of times, that's what you need to bring it all together if your skill set isn't there, where it needs to be, or where you want it to be, should I say. You also have cosplayed as Deadpool. How did that cosplay come about? I've done the Jason Scott Campbell one where he had them all blinged out with the two girls on the side. Every cosplay I've ever done has always been so serious. It's always had a certain tone, a certain vibe. And so I just said I wanted to do a fun costume. Didn't want to do a joke or nothing like that because even if I did a spin on it, you see it everywhere. So when I saw that comic, it kind of went into my mental roller deck. So when I wanted to do the costume, I wanted to put a different twist on it. So he had the sweatsuit and he had the bling. But what else can I do? to have fun. So I went ahead and ordered the old school boombox. So I loaded up a lot of old school hip hop music and everything. I just walked around Khan and in the street with the big boombox from back in the day, pumping music and having fun. The other Deadpool that I did was the original one. I took the original design that Rob Liefeld used for Deadpool back in his X-Force appearance and went with that version. It wasn't spandex. It was full rubber, which was not fun in San Diego. But that one got a lot of positive response. And if anyone tells you cosplayers don't suffer for their art, they're lying because I I wore that thing in San Diego, and it was full rubber from head to toe. <laughs> and how are these two Deadpools received by fans as well as other cosplayers? They were received well by fans and other cosplayers. At certain conventions, vendors would complain about it. The music was too loud, or you're drawing too big a crowd and everything else. So out of respect, I would move on. But then you came the problem of, if they say there's a problem with the music and I move on, then they go to social media blasting. And my whole thing was, you said it was too loud. You asked them to move on, I moved on. Problem solved. But yet you want to be the dead horse. Do I fault them for that? No. Because no matter what, people are going to have something to talk about. I would rather they went on that than a negative way and call me out of my name, which some have done. But I just chalk that up to life. You'll have some people who aren't happy because he's dressing up like so-and-so. So-and-so isn't that race. Or she doesn't have the body for that. I mean, no matter what happens, people are going to have something to say. And I've dealt with that. I've tried to be as reflexible as I can with my costume. But at the end of the day, it's something that I enjoy. You have half a handful of people who complain about it, though. But, you know, I'm always careful with my music. I'm always careful of when I play. They say, turn it down, turn it down. Turn it off, I turn it off. Can you move away, I'll move away. It's all about mutual respect. And the other Deadpool that I did, Rob Lysos, what he loved it so much that he had me sit in on the panel with him in the costume. That's a high honor. I really appreciated him for doing that, giving me the kudos and, and the thumbs up for the costume. And as a cosplayer, how do you get into the personality of these characters when you're at a con? Because it's not so much as getting to the personality. It's more or less, do you have that in you? For example, if you're a deep introvert, a podcast maybe isn't the best thing for you because it deals with constant communication, give and take. If you're somebody who's just really quiet and, and just wants to, you know, walk around and do nothing, maybe a dead pool isn't for you. 
a black bolt would be a perfect thing for you. Or some people who have it in them, but they just want a way to put that costume on to put them out. So as far as how to embolden that persona of when you put that costume on, the best piece of advice that I can get is right here. Do you see any part of yourself in that character? Yes, the Joker is a really, really dark character, you know, but he has his fun parts. So if you can have fun, if you're just a class clown at heart, you can pull that off. Harlequin, highly intelligent, highly acrobatic, has a whimsical side, you know, while Batman has a more majestic walk. You know, just a whole different quiet demeanor. If that's in you, you can pull it off. This is about researching your character before you even start to make that character. To decide, can you pull that off? Is that in you? Do you have that inner cosplayer to come across the right way or the way that you want to with that character? And now let's talk about one of your most recent cosplays, Sam Wilson slash Captain America. How did you choose <laughs> to cosplay this character? I was sitting at home. I got a call from an artist. They were like, uh, you know, there's going to be a new Captain America. I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see the writing on the walls for it and everything else. So when the costume was revealed on the Stephen Colbert show, my eyes just popped because it wasn't like how when Bucky became Cap. You can tell that was still a Cap costume. But when Sam Wilson grabbed the Year. They kept everything that made the Falcon the Falcon. They kept the wings. They kept the man. Kept the design, but they changed the colors and everything else. And I fell in love with that costume. You know, and I knew that if I was to do that costume, I would have to do it to a point where if I ever walked by any of the creatives of Sam Wilson, Captain America, of anybody from Marvel, they would give me the thumbs up. They would say, and at the end of the day, that's what happened. There were a lot of trials and errors. I've met so many African-American cosplayers, males, who've come up to me, and they've all said the same thing they had to deal with. The hardest part of that costume was the wings. Not the look, but how to make them. Because you can pick up five different Captain America books with Sam Wilson, and you'll see five different designs of the wings. So that was honestly the hardest hard to wrap my mind around and put together. But at the end of the day, Marvel liked it, the fans loved it, and I loved it. And that led to me being the uh, cosplay model for the Marvel uh, cosplay variant covers for the Sam Wilson Captain America. And the Marvel Puzzle Quest game, they used me as well for that game, which is a high honor. I would think that it was much as well received that they liked it. Now to talk about the cosplay cover that was just recently released by Marvel, how did that come about? When I was in San Diego Comic-Con, if anyone's ever gone before, you know that the Marvel booth is ground zero, so to speak, for San Diego. So when I you know, went there, because I have a couple of friends who work there who hang out, meet at the Marvel booth, that's where everyone knows they're at. And what I didn't know was that some people from Marvel took notice of the costume. And they said, well, listen, great costume, we appreciate it. Fast forward a couple of months later, it's time for Dragon Con in Atlanta. So uh, I get a call from a photographer from Marvel Comics asking me would I be interested in being Sam Wilson, Captain America. It's sort of like, you know, why even ask me? Just go ahead and just say yes. Who, who wouldn't want to do that? So um, I went down to Atlanta for Dragon Con to do the photo shoot. And from the photo shoot, you know, we had the cover. And Marvel did an extensive hunt, you know, for the right cosplayers. Because a lot of times you can have the right look, but you may not be able to convey what they want to be conveyed. And I just happened to be lucky and blessed enough that I was the very first person out there, out the gate, to do this Sam Wilson character. And I've always loved the Falcon. And when he became Captain America, I knew that that would, for a minute, be my tentpole character. And it is now. And how do you feel that being on the cover has affected your appearance at other conventions, as well as your social media presence? 
It's really raised it on a couple of fronts. Like, for one, I just did a book with Gemstone Publishing and Diamond Distribution called The Overstreet Guide to Cosplay. And if anyone collects comics, you know, they have the Overstreet Price Guide, the Overstreet Guide to Collecting Posters. They're like the how-to guide. And Diamond, if you get comic shit, it's been done by Diamond. And they asked me to do the book, which I'm very proud of. It's a really great book, a lot of great articles, a lot of great coverages. They use that picture for the cover. And even aside from that, when I've gone to conventions, I've had so many people of different races, different sizes, different creeds, even different genders coming up to me and saying how they appreciate it. You know, so for saying that, listen, you know, there is no age restriction on cosplay. You know, there is no height or build restriction on cosplay. You're having the ball, so I'm going to do it. Or even coming up to me. Listen, I've always wanted to do it, but, you know, because of where I live at and because of where I'm from and everything else. And I tell them, I was born in the projects of Newark, New Jersey. I was raised around gangbangers. Did I fall into that fray? No, but that's where I was from. But I didn't let that dictate it. Tell everybody, if you love something and you want to do it with cosplay, do it. Don't let what your co-workers or fans are going to say about you dictate it. It's your life. Live it. Enjoy it. And before we go, do you have any advice for people who want to get into cosplaying or be part of the cosplay community? Yeah, the cosplay community on a whole is very inclusive, very accepting. You know, it's always been a paid-forward type community, and that's the way that I am. I would have to give uh, thanks to any particular people. The part of that list would be uh, Michael D'Alessio. If anyone's ever going to any of the big cons, he's the guy from my promo guys who's run the Marvel stage. You know, he was the very first one to open my eyes when I was going to cons, just going around and everything else. And I've always been a pay-it-forward type guy in my life. And he's the one who kind of showed me in the cosplay community that's what we need more of. Never be afraid to ask questions. There are no projects too big for you if you put enough time and effort into it. You know, and last but not least, two words. Have fun. Because every time I suit up, I have fun. Be it for boys to tots, be it at a hospital visit, be it at a convention, or even be it by gluing my fingers together with hot, I'm having fun. The minute you stop having fun, that's the minute you may need to rethink moving on to a different project or a different venue. You may hit a bump in the road with superheroes, go to anime. You may hit a a bump with anime, make up your own characters, go fantasy, go steampunk. The realm of cosplay is so wide and so expansive that if you have an interest, you can literally bring it to life. If you like Disney, guess what? We have Disney cosplay, Shakespearean stuff. We have Shakespearean cosplay. Cosplay is nothing more than bringing to life something that you love and that you enjoy and that you want to show your fandom and appreciation for it. That's it. And on one final tag... Anybody out there who wants to seek out how to work on a project or how to make something, YouTube is your friend. Google is your friend. There are a million and one different cosplay groups and forums out there on social media. Go out there. Join. Meet people. You'll meet them online eventually, but later on down the line, you'll meet them at a con. This will be the same person that helped you out with this prop, and you'll be connected to somebody for the long haul. And then finally, do you have anything you'd like to promote? Now, like I said before, myself... Missy Geppy from the uh, Geppy family, Jeffrey Vaughn, and Carrie Wood. We did a cosplay book called The Overstreet Guide to Cosplay. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Target, or Jim's own publishing.com. Basically, it's a book that's more 
about the cosplay community as a whole. There's a tour guide to all the cons as far as what you can and can't do, do's and don'ts. Like myself, I'm disabled. So I thought it was really important to have an article, a part in the cons, you know, how their disabled services is. You know, I go to a lot of cons and people say, where can I go to eat at? That's in the book. There's how-tos as far as sewing, uh, working with warbler, making helmets, making masks. There's a rainy day project for kids section in there. It's an interview with a lot of cosplayers. We have articles about cosplayers not consent. The question you asked me about, um, you know, how do I get into character? I wrote an article about that in the book as well. So it's not just a book for cosplayers. You know, it's a book for people who are considering cosplay, who have cosplay friends, who just want to read and learn more about it. You know, it's a really good book. It's a labor of love that took us all about a year, you know, and I'm really proud of it. And do you have a Facebook or a Twitter where people can follow you? On Facebook, it's just Eddie Newsom. I don't have a fan page. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's Ebony Hero, one word. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. And as always, you can subscribe to this podcast either on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and a variety of other places so it finds you and you don't find it. Until next week, everybody, have a wonderful week.